0: In episode 20 of 115 Miles, we pull apart coronyism and ask the question is it ever okay to dish out jobs to your friends uh, without any pre existing idea of how good they might be at it? We look at how it's going on at a government level. Well, has sets me up for another Boris rant, and purposely so if you ask me, we then dive into another conversation about race after another thing in the news, this time involving Manchester United football forward Cavani and his social media post that contained a racial term. We pull it apart, we look at context and, and the role that context plays in it, what it means, how it differentiates it from other times that the same term has been used, and I actually come to a whole new opinion on it based on that conversation. We then finish, as always, with the reasons to be cheerful. Two, three, in fact, great reasons to be cheerful in this episode, and we really hope that you enjoy. If you do, then please do make sure that you leave us a review, and perhaps leave us a review even if you don't enjoy it. But make sure that you've come and visited us at 115 Miles Pod on Instagram and be part of the community. I I want
1: me me want me
0: me me This is 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kyle Living exactly 115 miles apart, our lives could not have been more different growing up, yet we find ourselves today as really good friends with many similar outlooks and perspectives. Join us on our podcast as we take a topical dive into life, work, culture and everything in between.
1: Josh, picture this scene. My name's Matt. I'm coming into your pub I'm going to have a drink. We live in the same village. And because I love the pint so much, I'm going to award you a £30 million contract (laughs) because you don't have any qualifications, (laughs) but you do pour a nice pint. What am I talking about, Josh?
0: You're talking about uh, Mr. Matt Hancock and the rest of his conservative team have clearly been handing out all of the... Uh, the big earners from this pandemic to friends and, well, not even friends, is it? Just close people around them that they can sort out and hook up.
1: Well, I, I mean, look, you could you could probably speculate that there, that there's some sort of benefit to them somewhere down the line, if not right now while they're in office. You know, there's possibly something uh, later down the line. And obviously, uh, lots of things like libel will get thrown around. Um, but, you know, uh, this is uh, opinion. We are an opinion show, Uh, we're a topical show, and uh, I think you could point to it. Uh, Cronyism is the appointment of friends and associates to positions of authority without proper regard to their qualifications.
0: What's What's the word? Cronyism. Cronyism.
1: So Alex Bourne is the guy I'm talking about. Um, He used to run a pub in Matt Hancock's village. Uh, He used to make, I think... um, uh like he moved i guess into making catering disposable catering items he sent a whatsapp message to matt hancock in the summer and offered his services he's only recently um had a safety certification for the products yet he has he is making 30 million pounds worth of uh, test tubes for covert tests
0: Well, look, but listen. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not at all surprised by this. Way back when Cummins went to check his eyes in the car, there was a lot of stories then about he was going because his brother's runs a pharmaceutical company or something, doesn't he? And they're, they're they were involved in some part of it back then. Um, but listen, when massive things like this happen, and I've talked about this before, we should be questioning the government more than ever. We should be qu- like we should be pulling apart every single thing that they that they do but for some reason well I think it's changing a little bit now actually but for the last since the pandemic began they've been allowed to run around and do what they want fairly unquestioned because if you question them you're a conspiracy theorist so you know I think as a society as a nation we play a little bit of a part in, in making this so easy for them to run about and do I'm probably being a bit harsh there but um i think it's i think it's it's no surprise it doesn't surprise me in the slightest
1: is um is cronyism ever okay so for example um, um whenever i get asked about whether i know someone who can coach mental health well-being or resilience I don't scan the market. Okay. I just go to Josh Connolly. Because you're my mate. Yep, I know you. And
0: you know that I'm qualified for the job. Correct. So that's the distinguishing piece here, isn't it? Is
1: it though? Because I'm still I'm still giving it to you without scanning the market.
0: It, tell me the definition of cronyism again. Have you got it in front
1: yep. of you? It is... Uh, the appointment of friends and associates to positions of authority without proper regard to their qualifications
0: i think when you when you when you put me forward as a coach i think you've taken proper regard for the qualifications now if you put me forward to do your mate's garage conversion then that would be different because i've you know that i'm not qualified to do that and there'd be no proper regard but when you put me forward to coach, then, you know, I, like, you've taken proper regard because you, you believe that I'm able to do what what's being shown up to to be done yeah. here, yeah. right? It, it's like if somebody asked me for a coach, I would put them on to you, right? But if they wanted a DJ, I wouldn't.
1: <laughs> I was going to ask you, um, could I put you for could I put you forward um, as somebody who could go and. Um, legitimately
0: buy a bike oh fucking hell you've bought this (laughs) right so for people for for anyone that's listening i uh my wife has a bike and i've been using her bike during lockdown and i got bang into it so i'm thought i gonna but i I I want a bike right i'm gonna um you know i'm gonna ride to land's end because that's what i do right i don't do things by ass. so but i thought just in case it's a phase i'll buy a second hand bike so i went and bought a I went on Gumtree, and I bought a bike for £80 off of this. It looked dodgy when I went there. It looked dodgy as anything. Anyway, I went out on the bike the next day, and the thing fell apart. And I took it to the bike (laughs) shop, and he was like, stop laughing at me. He was like, mate, this has been just thrown together. It's the wrong size wheels on there. That's that's why it's rubbing against the brake pad. Um, There's all different types of gear things on here. So he was like, look... There's no point in trying to fix this. You may as well just buy a new bike. And by the way, on the way home from buying this £80 bike, I went in Halfords and bought a helmet, (laughs) set of lights, a good light for the front, uh, a bike lock (laughs) for it. It's
1: going to cost you more than £80 to fix the bike.
0: (laughs) Well, it is. Yeah, no, I've got to throw it in the... I've got to scrap it. It's no good, basically. Yeah. So um, if somebody had recommended me this lady to buy a bike, that would have been what we're talking about, right? The the woman you bought
1: the bike off is the equivalent of um, Matt Hancock's pub landlord.
0: Yeah, well, I I trusted her because um, she's selling loads of PPE to the Conservatives (laughs) at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) That's Uh, a joke, obviously. (laughs)
1: um, Yeah, no, but I mean, I think, uh, you know, this is just... uh, you know. Look, firstly, I imagine that you know the the, the Tory parties are um, not. Imagine, I know they're not the they're not the first to. Uh, to do this right cronyism has been happening in government you know regardless of who's who's in power it would have been tony blair's government it would have been you know and and that isn't just about uh, you know awarding external people uh you know companies contracts it's getting people into jobs and 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 you know and things like that so it's cronyism when you kind of bring in people that you know and your friends it's nepotism when you bring in family and all of that sort of stuff happens and it's it's not unique to um to uh to to each party. What I would say is it, it definitely perpetuates this kind of class divide. It, it it prevents people from being able to you know uh, gain opportunity through meritocracy, um, and it just goes on and on. I think uh, that the, the word that pops into my head is kind of impunity, and um, I'm going to let you let you rip uh, have a go at. Boris at the moment uh, because I think he enables his people to act with impunity we've talked about pretty patel uh, the fact that she's clearly a bully there's a lot of evidence around kind of what 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 she, how she operates and um, yet she gets to hold her position dominic Cummins, he blatantly um, you know disregarded and, and flouted the rules around lockdown when it, they were mandating around uh, the country that it had to happen he stayed in his job until obviously he was persona non grata anymore and you know it didn't make sense for him to um, be supported by boris johnson anymore but basically boris johnson allows these ministers to act with impunity and the more that they do it the more it becomes um solidified mm. so what do you think of boris johnson as prime minister <laughs> Now, i'm <joking. laughs> um but you just no no no, no. but like you know just, just, just no, no 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 throw. i'm just joking but like there's something about leadership here if, if you enable people to do this then uh, and get
0: away with it then it just kind of it seeds that culture doesn't it yeah it does it does and i think the one thing about boris johnson right is um he's I, I think a lot of people still quite like him i do think that but i think the problem is is that Um, people forget that he's the leader of the country and they just think, oh, he looks like he'd be a good crack to go out and have a beer with, Mm -hmm. right? Do you know what I mean? I'm like oversimplifying that, but I do think there's a lot of that in it, you know, similar to why Trump, originally it changed with Trump, right? It started a movement and it became way more complex. But in the beginning, I think Trump got in because people were like, yeah, he just don't care. He just says what he thinks, right? And I think people still kind of see that a little bit with Boris and uh well they they cleverly play the anti
1: establishment right so this is what you've always had yeah. i'm i'm not that i'm this i'm 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 the person yeah. of the people and he sort of his buffoonery and stuff like that um his straight talking and he, he they were both i think masters of being able to capitalize on insecurities of society and then use that to their advantage right so for you know it, there's so there's there's there are so many um, video clips and bits of evidence to show that Boris Johnson was actually somebody that supported staying within the union, and then he f- flipped into Brexit because he knew that that's what was going to get him um, I- into into
0: power. So um, well, actually, I don't think he thought he was going to win Brexit. I just thought that he would win. I think he thought I'll go that side and I'll pick up all the other people that I, d- I don't know.
1: That, I reckon I kn- that's a large proportion. no. I reckon he knew. I reckon but, he knew he was going to win.
0: But he's also, you know, he's a racist, isn't he? He's racist, and but he's clever with his racism. Say clever, probably the wrong word. But the way that he uses it, the racist remarks that he used um, when he talked about uh, watermelon smiles—is that what he said? Uh, said, Picking uh, any smiles, I think. Yeah, picking any smiles, and then he said, uh, "What did he say?" He said something about watermelon. He he did. He said something. Yeah. It did, yeah. didn't it? And he said something about um, le- letter boxes, something to do with hijabs. Le- yeah, hijabs. Yeah, all, all um, done so apparently he done. while he
1: was a journalist, you know, for Spectator or Tele- Telegraph, you know. But he was, I think he was yeah, an MP but, as well at the time, right?
0: Um, yeah, and but, but he was definitely, yeah, I think so. I'm yeah. sure he was. And he, but but he's never um, like apologized for it. And I know that like if you apologize, then you're admitting that you've done something wrong, but. What you know, he cleverly picked the way in which he was racist so that you can't, like, well, you should be able to, but in our society, you can't fully call him out. But then he was also speaking to a lot of people that felt like they wanted to say that, but didn't have, but felt like it was non PC rather than racist. They think it's non PC to say it. So he, he, he like fed in and got all of those, uh, that kind of group of people that we've talked a lot about on, on, on on the podcast. So uh, I, I don't know what, how I've got off down that tangent. I probably just wanted to dig him out in another way. And I knew that was well, one I, way that I probably haven't dug a, him out on the, on the podcast. There's yet. always
1: uh, there's always good value if I ever mention Boris
0: Johnson, you'll always... Do, do, do you think... Um, I reckon he's bang on the drink as well, by the way. You do? <laughs> I do. What, what makes man? you say that? I've got nothing to... I've got nothing... Wow. One is the way that he... Like, I'm sure he's leaning on that stand when he comes out and does those... <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he ain't sleeping is he uh and the, I've got <laughs> I've got no evidence for that at all do you think it's ever okay to uh I've got two questions actually the first one do you think it's ever okay uh I've forgotten the word that you've called it again mates yeah do you think there's ever I know you were pushing me to pull it apart a little bit do you think there's ever a time
1: i do yeah <laughs> um uh, but, you know, uh, but I think uh, and, and and it's complex because, you you know, if you argue it one way, then you can't really argue it the other way. Right. So I disagree. Like, I don't believe that somebody um, deserves uh, an opportunity uh, to supply 30 million pounds worth of contracts just because they live in the same village as a, a minister in government. Um, but if you... If you if you know somebody who is qualified or has potential, has shown um, uh, you know that, that that they can do something, um, and they need some support and and help stepping up, so an underrepresented part of community, uh, then I would say yes, I would I would be in favour of some cronyism. Um, yeah.
0: It's not cronyism then, though, is
1: it? Sure. no. I don't think it's seen it as cronyism. I don't think it is. But but it doesn't you, fit into the definition that but, you, you know. know. I, I think um, I think it's a it's a complex one because uh, people do it all the time. You know, if you're asked for a recommendation, you give a recommendation, and and a recommendation is different to appointing. Art uh, uh, granted. So me recommending you is not the same as me just appointing you uh, a contract without you know without um. Without due care and diligence, and you made the the absolute right point. You're qualified. You have you know you know years and years of experience. You work with organisations. This is the work that you do. There's 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 no questioning that. So I think that's absolutely true.
0: And the picture they used in the article, well, the article that I saw, I can't remember. I think it was a Guardian. The picture that they used was uh, clever on the point of the person writing the article as well, right? not it? Because they were both. Have you seen, the, you know the picture I'm on about when they stood behind the beer yeah. pump? Have yeah, you seen yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, what, you know, what did that conjure up for you when you saw that? Well,
1: I mean, just, I mean, what's it conjure up? I think it's just, you know, socialising and yeah. making deals behind the scenes.
0: Yeah, you did just look at it and think, you pair of... Breaks, <laughs> i'll put it as plainly as yeah. i saw but it, like, i i don't know how to word it articulate it in a nice way but you did look at them and you thought i don't know perhaps that's from you know the background that i come from that's what i'm saying and if you come from the background that i come from you would look at that picture and be like it would it makes you a little bit resentful and i use that word purposefully because i know that um it means that there is a part of, of me that needs looking at when I conjure up that idea. I don't think, I, d- I, I,
1: I know what you mean. I mean, I think we're judging them, right? Like we're, we're judging yeah. them in the same way that they might judge me and you standing in a pub, right? Like uh, it's just, it happens, right? When you are when you come from a different part of society and culture, you're going to look at them and just think, uh, not my kind of people. We're not on the same frequency.
0: If he WhatsApped you and said, can you do the vials?
1: I'd say. What say, man, I'm not. I'm underqualified for this, but uh, if you need, if you need a coach, I'm your man. Um, all right. Uh, here's here's a story I want to. Uh, I, I think it's very fresh, so I don't think you know we know all the details yet. But I'm I'm curious. I want to know what goes on with it. So, did you see that? Um, what happened with Edison? So Edison Cavani is a footballer
0: at Man United.
1: Uh, do you yeah. know what happened overnight?
0: I I do, yeah, yeah. He he scored, didn't he? And it was because Marcus Rashford set him yeah. up. He used a, a a racist term on his Instagram story to thank him, yeah. didn't
1: he? Yeah, he 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 used the word uh, "negrito" and then basically deleted it straight away. But from what I understand, yeah. what I've read so far, that the club is supporting him. They're backing him. Um, so, and I think this is an interesting thing because obviously a few years ago there was a very, very famous incident between Patrice Evra and Luis Suarez and apparently he used basically the same term. Uh, the same term,
0: yeah. yeah. But it was the context was grossly different. And, and do, that, does that uh, matter is a conversation I'm sure uh, you're going to have. Well...
1: Well, the point I was making is, oh, so definitely the context was different, but I guess the point is what. So what he said at the time is, um, this is a, a, an often used term, and then I think um, uh, that, and that's kind of what Edison Cavani said, right? It's like a term of affection. Um, I think they are very different situations. I'm not trying to say they're the same. My question is, is. Um, should we make allowances for kind of cultural differences when it comes to things like this
0: or not? Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's quite a broad question. So there's a few different things here. I genuinely, and we, you know, we'll discuss whether this is right or wrong, I genuinely don't think Cavani said it with any malice whatsoever, right? Because he was... he well, Let's be clear for anyone that doesn't know what he said... He, he was talking about Rashford, right? And what's the word in Spanish? What is it? Negrito. Negrito. And he said something about scoring a goal, didn't he, to win the game? And then he put, thank you, Negrito. Did he? Yeah. Or my Negrito. Yeah. Let me
1: just... Uh, let me just...
0: I think the my Negrito, but probably... No, yeah. no so, he
1: says, gracias, Negrito.
0: Yeah. Which, which, which thank means you. thank you. Yeah. And then, so, um, what I get from that is that he doesn't mean any harm from it. However, that doesn't mean that there's no harm caused. So there's a couple of things here. Um, The first one is he has a responsibility when he comes over here to make sure that he knows um, what he's saying, especially in the position of responsibility and using his social media in that way. I believe Man United have a responsibility to fully educate him coming over from from you know whichever culture he's come from let's educate him to make sure he knows what he's saying and how it's going to come across etc etc I think there's a responsibility of the FA as well what are they doing um and so I I would say I can understand why Man United support him but they want to have a look at themselves for that Um and I do think that he should get quite a lengthy ban for it I do think that um, because what he said was wrong but I think a lot of it was in in this case is to do with a lack of education in terms of education of what culture he's, so, he's um, in at the uh, moment
1: so, f- so firstly you think that he should get punished for something he unknowingly said. The question, yeah, and that, uh, yes, and, I do. Yeah. And, uh, okay, short answer. Um,
0: oh, do you want me yeah, to? Yeah, why? why? Because I, I, I believe he has a, a, a level of responsibility to make sure that he understands the language in which he's going to use, particularly because he knows, um. That the term that he is used is one that is used for a black person, right? So he's got a public platform. He should be. He should at least have enough about him to think. Hang on a minute. I better just check if this term makes sense, right? Um, and you know, the more I'm saying it, the more I'm thinking he must have. Of course, know. he did.
1: Because what what country? He what country is
0: he from? He's uh, from Ur- no, He's from Uruguay. 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 Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: Where is Luis Suarez from? Uruguay. Well, like which uh, national? Like they they were in the same national team. And uh, for his defense, and I, I'm not gonna argue. Like I think he he was being racist, um, Luis Suarez. And um, but in his argue in his defense, he said this is a term that is used in uh, in in Uruguay affectionately and stuff like that, whatever it might be. And um, and he was rightly kind of you know like oh I say rightly you know like he was he was um, found to have used it in a racist manner and and he was fined and all that sort of stuff. So Cavani would have known about this. Secondly, Cavani has played for Napoli. So since coming from South America, he's played for Napoli and he's played for Paris Saint Germain, Paris.
0: Yeah.
1: A very multicultural. Um, City so I don't buy it I don't buy like he's not he's not a young kid like he, he is an experienced player yeah it's
0: true so I, I don't just buy why it. would he like so the, the Suarez one right let's just do the Suarez one let me just say what I think right so if I don't know by the way where they're from if, if even if what they're saying is mm-hmm. true is it true that it is a it is fa- affectionate pa- 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 well, in Uruguay?
1: apparently that's what they're saying
0: but let's, let's assume that it yeah. is right uh if I said called a a, a a black man said this is a black man that's not racist to say that right say that again if I say oh that man over there right. is black he's a black yep. man that's not right. racist if I am angry at him and I'm shouting at him on a football pitch and I highlight the fact that he's black that's so racist so context
1: so you saying context so is it's
0: context king. so Suarez in it's Suarez is incident he was arguing with Evra. they had fallen out and he mentioned this term. So, whether or not it's affectionate in the first place, in the context of the Suarez one, for me, it's cut and dry. He was being racist. He was bringing it up. Okay? Now, to bring it to the Cavani um, incident, he he is thanking Rashford, isn't he? He's like, he's doing it in God. an... In, 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 I, I, uh, no, 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 I'm not defending him. I'm not defending him. But he's doing it in an, in an affectionate way. So I would question, is he using that language with Rashford in person? How can he, how has he put it on his story? How has he put it on his story? Right. So what we're saying is, and you know, this might be true. He must have thought, I don't give a fuck. I don't care. He is my, I keep forgetting the word he used. Negrito. Negrito. He is my Negrito. I'm putting it on there. Fuck a lot of them. I don't care if I'm in England. It I mean, I people. don't
1: even think it was, I, I don't even think it was, I suspect it wasn't even that, like, I don't think he thought, okay, well, this is my language, so I'm just going to do it anyway. Like, I don't think he even, I, it was probably quite instinctive. But like, to just to use your argument, like, con- I agree, context is everything, right? But then, like, why would you say, hey, cheers, black guy. Like, why would you even yeah, bring?
0: This is the realization that yeah, I'm having why, as why we're discussing Yeah, why would you
1: even bring it? that in? So, and I think what what well, if, it I did, to, if I yeah. did?
0: If I did, if I did, it would be because I think that I'm slightly above well, you. Well, that's it? it.
1: That's the point. I think I was going so, to point so, to, which is if you if you come from a uh, you know a, a majority uh, white you know uh, nation. Then there's some sort of, uh, there's a kind of, there's a, there's a look down on kind of thing. I was watching the, um, obviously with, with Diego Maradona passing, I was watching the, the the documentary and, and I couldn't believe what I saw around the way that, uh, Neapolitans. So people from Naples are treated by the rest of Italy, like because Mm. they have their because of their proximity to Africa, um, there's kind of, there's a real horrible, uh, back in the day, I don't know what it's like now, but there was a real horrible sense of like racism and it was definitely like, you know, it was, it was to do with their darker complexion, you know, and, 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 and stuff like that compared to like the more white Italians. And uh, I, think, um, I think there's definitely some of that that's just kind of happened over time. And so it just almost becomes, if you grow up with it, you almost forget that it's insensitive. Um, and you sort mm. of see that a lot there and it's quite... Um, yeah, it's quite shocking.
0: Yeah, and it, it and it is uh, as we've talked about it, and then to do that to bring the context in like we did with the Suárez, and then for you to say, and I was starting to think it as you said it, yeah, uh, it's my my black friend, right? That's it is that kind of thing, isn't it? If a white person set him up to score a goal, it'd just be like, cheers, cheers pal. Yeah, it was uh, cheers, yeah. pal. But it was like I've scored another goal, and guess what? It was the black, my black friend that set me up. Cheers, black friend. That's like, if we convert it to English, kind of, I know it doesn't convert very well in that sense, probably, but uh, that's kind of what he's doing, isn't it? That's kind of what he's saying, which then is coming from a position, like you said, why would you do that? Well, it would be because I think that I'm, in the same way that a bloke might go, uh, uh, and it was a woman. Mm somebody came forward and, and shouted everyone down and everyone stopped and listened and you wouldn't, you'd never believe it but it was a yeah. woman. Do you yeah. know what I mean? That kind I mean, of thing. I,
1: I think the sort of the ecosystem of the argument is, is the same but I think, I think what it points to, I think you're absolutely right. It wasn't done out of malice. I think the situation, context is absolutely king. Like, you know, when, you know, it can be done in a way to like to trigger a response to agitate somebody. And I think that's probably what happened with the uh, with the Evera and Suarez incident. Like there was, they were just getting at each other, and he just thought, "I'm going to do this. I'm going to use it in this way. I'm going to use it in an attacking way." But I think what it points to is this: um, it's institutionalized it's institutionalized yeah. so that it almost you should almost you just forget that it's kind of what it is and and the underlyings of it right so it's even th- like the term in america where um um sometimes where you know uh people use the term boy you know uh with with uh with uh a black man if it's a white person right in the south that that kind of denotes the the power relationship kind of from segregation and from from slavery and it was it was always done in a very like boy you know like it would be like uh, you know holding them in their place so I think it just it happens and happens over over time but it comes from an insidious and a dark place I think originally
0: yeah 100% 100% and again look this is why conversation is so important because uh, having talked it through openly I've sort of changed my opinion on it right and i think as well that yeah so it's good it's I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes because i think it does it
1: does point to something um it points to something that is just uh well there's two things i think you made a great point which is um we need to educate players that are coming from different continents i, I guess my, my argument was you know this isn't this it not his first radio he's been around so I think in this day and age, if you're going to use social media, you've got to be really careful about, you know, um, what
0: you do and what you say. Um, cool. All right, man. But also not just that, just finally, final point on it as well, not just social media, right? If you're going to exist in any kind of society, particularly a multicultural one, then you better make sure that you educate yourself enough to know what, you know, your, the responsibility that comes with within living within a multicultural society, yeah, right?
1: definitely. So, yeah, um, Yeah, so I want to just talk about something else, actually, and uh, keeping it on a light note. (laughs) um, (laughs) um, No, uh, so I read today that families are facing the hardest period uh, in the last five decades. In the next five years, family income will rise by just £220. Mm Mm-hmm unemployment is going to peak at 2.6 million in 2021 so we're facing some hard times right and obviously different people are going to get hit in different ways right I think when what this points to is probably you know the people at the lower end of the economic scale so um, like with that with that kind of you know, I think a lot of people have found 2020 hard, right? People have lost their jobs, have been furloughed, like it's been hard. But mm-hmm. I think what this is pointing to is it's going to get much worse. It's going to get really tough. Mm-hmm. Look, yesterday we read that Arcadia, once the jewel in the crown, Philip Green was knighted for all the stuff he did for the high street, that's gone into administration. That's going to get torn apart and someone will probably take Topshop and a few others, but... I know you used to love shopping at Burton, but I think that's gone now, mate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, so so we're facing a pretty stark, you know, period. Yeah. Um, what what can we do to prepare for that, Josh? Like mental health wise, and you know, and just resilience wise, what can we do to prepare for what I think is going to be a pretty hard twenty twenty one?
0: Oh, mate. I mean, it's a massive question. I think that I think the reality is, is that we, we need to make sure that we are doing as much as we can to create spaces that are going to support the people in the struggle because the struggle is going to be there now. So you ain't going to change that. I think I I heard somebody talk about the K curve. Have you heard that? No, what's that? So if you think of a K, the letter K that you'll have people that will just do amazingly well, like pub owners in villages, is the same village as Matt Hancock, right? <laughs> but then the opposite the other line yeah. of the K is that people are just going to yeah. go down, down. And I really, really... I'm going to keep ranting about it. But everything that we've done this year has been to try and save vulnerable people. And I just think when you look at how many it's going to create, I don't... I, I don't think we've risk assessed this properly. I don't think we've done it right. Because I think, you know, uh, my wife said to me the other day, this is just the straight, this is how she talks straight language that she used. She said, I know a lot of people are dying. She said, but what about the people that are still alive, but dying inside because of this? Mm. And I think there's a lot of that, a lot to be said for that. A lot of people <clears> are going to um, really, really struggle with this. And I think we need to invest, well, I don't have money, have we? But we need to invest in people again. We need to invest in community again. You know, a lot of the work that I've been doing around like the self-care, like I do a self-care workshop with organizations and I build it around, do not think that you need to be doing what your struggle's on your own now. The last thing we need is for everybody to think that we've all got to start trying to look after ourselves. I think we need to, Try and find ways to bring back community and connection to people so that we start supporting one another in the way that I think we did more. So a few years back, you know, we used to be a bit better at that. I'm talking decades ago. So, look, there's no easy answer because I think it's going to be really hard times. I think it's going to be really hard times. One thing that I think we should do as well, by the way, also is to invest in children fully, you know, because... If you can create into the 10 years old, 10 year olds of today, if you can invest in them in for the next 10 years when they're 20 and they've got the passion and the vigor for life, if they're happy, balanced, and emotional, to put it simply, they'll be the ones that I think will drive the sort of change and stuff that we'd need in the world. And 10 years is not a long way away in terms of what we're going to be talking about, I don't yeah.
1: think. I agree. I mean, I'm interested about the community thing. Like, so you pointed to like how we used to be decades ago. Like, give me an idea of what that like 60s, 70s, 50s.
0: I think when I was younger, I think even in the early. So I was young in the early 90s. Has um, <laughs> I was a child. I was young in the, the 90s 80. as well. Let's let's just just let's just <laughs> declare that. I, I think. Um, you know, everything... I think, let's go even when mobile phones were introduced, for example. Um, they start to take a... They, they, they're really helpful and they they, they they have a lot of positive impact. But a lot of the things, if you look at over time, everything that we've done, the internet, not just the phones, but the internet as well, they send us more and more insular. They take away our need to go out and interact, you know. Um before the mobile phone when I was a kid, you used to have to ring the house phone and see if somebody was in and then if you didn't organize to meet up with them, then you wouldn't see them so you had to be a bit organized in terms of let's all meet at the park at six o'clock tomorrow yeah that's gone now because you've got phones right and so there's it just makes us more and more insular but and we we seem to as much as I think as human beings we we crave connection we seem to draw towards being insular you so the office is going to, something's going to happen in terms of the way that we use the office and everyone's all like, yeah, work from home, work from home, da, da, da. But there's now, I think I'm working with a lot of organizations where you check in with the group at the beginning, they are sick to death of talking to people on a mm. screen. They're sick to death of being just sat in their home. They miss their commute, which they think they mm-hmm. hated. So, but, 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 the but, but a lot of organizations that will take that into account, but still think it's not worth having an office because of the money that it costs. So then, that human interaction starts going and going and going. So it's not that I think we've uh, like just gone Do you know what community doesn't matter anymore. I just think slowly over time that the high street you used to have to go out and buy stuff. So you would go out, you would interact with the baker, you would interact with the the butcher, yeah. Or and there was different shops for different things. All of that's dying now. You know, as we come towards Amazon having everything everything so you don't have to go to all these different shops we take away all those different interactions and um those different ways of being out and about and around each other and all that kind of stuff not to mention that we've just killed the the pub trade and 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 you know the arts trade and all of that i know it'll come back to life but we've taken it away in that sense as well so that's why i think community uh we're losing a lot of it, i mean yeah. i
1: think um the reason I asked about when you were talking about community, you know, being together, I, I I thought it was maybe you were pointing to something that actually preceded our own childhoods, right? So, um, and people often talk about communities, you know. So, um, let's like say East End of London used to have a very very kind of you know. Um, famously together community but then they a lot of people that lived in in the east end of london started to move out when immigrants started to move in because they felt that that was you know they weren't able to do that anymore so i think um you have sort of micro pockets of community but there isn't this kind of big community thing the thing that was really interesting to me was like you were saying look, community comes together but whose responsibility is that right is it you know is it are we supposed to do that ourselves, or or does the government kind of put initiatives in place to uh, foster community? Because actually, what what the government has done in this country and in the states and then other countries is it seeks to divide communities, doesn't it? It seeks to kind of put this massive thing in the middle of that that points to differences and push keeps them on those sides because it it serves them. So I think um, I agree with you. I think there is something that needs to. Um, you know to happen and we saw a bit of it in lockdown 1 right where people were like you know you saw that uh, when people were needing support and needing help and doing shopping and it was like wow this is like this is organic this is happening but it doesn't feel like that it feels like it's sort of we're all, we're all retreating into that place where we have to look after ourselves um yeah in yeah. terms of uh, technology i think that is just it is like you know it is what it is mate you know we don't send faxes fa- we don't send faxes anymore right we send emails you know we don't write le- we don't handwrite letters anymore the world moves on and we have to accept that i think we have to figure out what the new kind of the new way to communicate in this new in this new time is i i That's I, what's I have um, i have a sense of optimism that i don't think like businesses will only look at costs. I think in the you know, when the economy is, is struggling, I think that's going to be a massive factor. But if vaccines if vaccines are successful and they do get rolled out and sort there's a there's a level of confidence around health again, um I think people will probably start to come back into office in some way. It may not look the same. You may not kind of own this big space in the middle of a cosmopolitan city that's costing you millions and millions. You may kind of you know um take more. Uh, innovative ways to but I do think people are really missing kind of that that ability to to, to to collaborate and communicate
0: yeah I think you're right and I think a lot of organizations will do that and, it, it, and you know in all the things that I've pointed to to highlight why community has been taken away it's not that I think any of those are bad it's like what you said we have to then adjust and you know make sure that we find the new ways to install community community tends to happen we like we turn back towards each other and we turn back to connection when times are hard like we did at the beginning of the first lockdown it's happened less in lockdown too because we feel less on our ass with it right Um, so it doesn't feel like the the first lockdown Um, and if you go to some of the more deprived um, er, er, like areas within society you're more likely to find communities because people come together with each other and communities do exist, but they um, exist in dysfunctional ways as well. So the first community I ever was involved in, the first community I ever felt part of was when I was in a gang. So so we got to make sure. And so I wanted that. I was looking for it. I was looking to be part of something and part of a structure and feel connected to other people and feel like we all had each other's back. And I found it in a gang. And if you look at the things that build resilience in children being part of something, feeling wanted and feeling needed, all them kinds of stuff, gangs and that meet those needs. So we got to make sure that we're meeting them too before the gangs and stuff like that take Mm -hmm. over. So, you know, can we do the same within adulthood? So the question about government, yes, they do need initiatives. We used to have youth clubs, right? And we took them away because we didn't think they were worth the Mm -hmm. money, right? And that's because they didn't create an instant stat. And uh, so that's a problem. If you create children that value community, you'll 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 you're, the outcome will be adults who ad, who value totally. community.
1: Yeah, totally. And I think um, it's 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 funny actually. I think my mum is, uh, you know, as you uh, uh, as you know, like she she sold, you know, she sold the family home after forty four years. It was a very emotional time, and as emotionally connected as she was to those brick to to that bricks and mortar, which she was, it was actually community. And she only she only mm. lives literally six minutes drive from where she was, but she doesn't drive. So actually, that's more like, you know, a, a fifteen minute bus ride or a twenty minute bus ride. And uh, there's a difference between being in on your doorstep with your friends and the like. All the all the shopkeepers around there knew her. They would always go the extra mile for her. If she was carrying her shopping, someone would just help, you know, bring it home and stuff like that and that's huge that is so huge and that happens a lot like I don't think I think there is lots of community but it is kind of uh, micro I think that um, I think there's something that I'm trying to kind of get to and just pops into my head you talk often about reaching in versus versus asking people to reach out around mental health do you want to talk Mm -hmm. about that for a minute like because I think that I think that could be something that we could all do a bit more in 2021
0: yeah but look you know and to just sort of build on everything that you've just said if when you go to the poorest parts of of England what you'll find the most of is off-licenses off-licenses and places of worship right and that's because they both give people hope and, and and the idea of connection right and and so the 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 places exist but we need to create more healthy ones not that the places of worship aren't but the off licenses yeah let's keep the worship and then you know do more to make the off license to not be the only other option but i do think you know the reaching in that you've talked about is when we're when we feel emotionally available to make sure that we're creating the space for each other you know i I, I keep alluding to the work that i do but when whenever i deliver anything now you know, you can do all you want and bring all the frameworks and all the toolkits and da da da, da. But what people come away from feeling good about is the fact that a space was created.
1: Mm.
0: Right, where they just, it wasn't about fixing or saying you're doing it wrong, change, do this. It was just about, let me just create 10 minutes where you get to talk and someone does nothing but listen to you. That's what reaching in is. That's what reaching in is. It's creating that space, yeah? Making sure that we show up for each other properly you know in, in in a proper manner and when health gets back and we can go out and you know do things more often nurturing our relationships so so i, so
1: I love that josh so basically i think just to really land the point for our listeners um you know creating space just listening uh, creating the environment no judgment just being there Understanding that some people mm. may or may not want to talk but you made a you, you sort of made a comment right at the beginning. I think it's really important because I think I saw a post from you just the other day that points to this. When you are emotionally available, what, mm. what
0: do you mean by that? It's, you know, we can't, you talk a lot about putting on your oxygen mask first, right? Yeah, we, I think, you know, people know the, the, the metaphor that we're using there. People like me, my problem is not that I don't, reach in enough my problem is is that i reach in too much sometimes i start to seek to meet my own needs by trying to meet yours right and that's problematic you know uh if i offer too much empathy without boundaries i say it becomes self-destructive right um because if i'm struggling and i need some support myself and i'm still out giving you support it's a it's an act of self abandonment i'm abandoning myself in order to be able to help somebody else the way that that can be countered by the way is that by holding more space I know if I come to you Hass, and I'm struggling right? if I'm conscious and present enough and I slow the hell down and just be present enough in that space I'll know if you're not in the space to hear it I'll know so I'll go somewhere somewhere else. But we have that connection because we build that connection. Because we hold space for each other regularly. Yeah? We do the podcast. We ring up and banter the hell out of each other on those some days. Yeah? But then there's often times where we say, let's catch up. And that's just a boom. What's going down? How are you feeling? Da, da, da. And because uh, we have a friendship that exists in that way and we create space for each other in that way. I know that space is available and I know it will become available even if you ring me and I don't know you want to rant about something or you want to dig me out for fantasy football or whatever because of I know our relationship I know that the space will be available when it's needed and it will become available that happens because we hold space for each other regularly and I'm just using our friendship as an example but that's how you build space for each other and you do that by slowing the hell down shutting everything off and making sure that you proper catch up so has tell me about your has tell me about your mum how's that stuff with your mum because you told me about that and i'm remembering it and i want to ask you about it you know
1: so i think obviously people know that we are me and you are holding space jedi (laughs) knights so so we can do it right but um for somebody that's feeling a little bit overwhelmed at the thought of just kind of reaching in and just holding space and like how do you get started
0: Look, well, firstly, if you're too overwhelmed and you can't, you know, you're not in a position to hold space, don't hold space. Or just, I guess, overwhelmed at
1: the idea, like, because you haven't done it a lot. That's what I mean,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. I think, look, it becomes about self awareness. So it becomes about reflecting on yourself while you're listening. Watch how you want to fix, watch that come up. Notice where it comes from. Watch the moments when you, you know, there's a lot to be said for. If you've never feel like you've never done it before, start by just noticing. When, when When somebody's talking to you, just notice yourself. Notice how you wanted to fix them in that point. Notice how you wanted to be nice because there was a pang of need for validation from you, from them. So you know, spend time noticing, right? And then, if in doubt, ask questions. I always say, you're metaphorically holding their hand so they can explore how they feel. That's your duty it, it, when you're holding space. You're not trying to fix or change them. You're stepping into their darkness, sitting for a while and making them feel supported there. Right? So then you can go, tell me about it. Okay, how does that feel? Why is that showing up? Open-ended questions like that. Simple open-ended questions that allow people to explore further. You know, I talk, say, you're, you're investigating with them. They know the answers. You don't, even if you think you do. So you know, I don't know if that explains it. It's it's such a it's such a it's complex, but it's such a simple thing. It is very very simple. I think. Yeah. Become present. Turn your phone off. Right. Turn it off. In your pocket. Off. On silent. I was talking to somebody recently, and they had their phone out, and you know they they were asking me deep questions. And then looking at their phone, and they, cause they were writing on the fucking thing when I was answering the questions. But they lost me. They lost me entirely, by the way. I just thought, you know what? I'm not, I don't, I'm not, in, I don't deal with people like this. Don't ask me to open up and become vulnerable and then abuse my vulnerability like that. So, you know, put put the phone away, put the laptop away, turn the telly off, whatever it is. Yeah. And be, be present.
1: Wow. On that, uh, Sage advice from uh, Yoda. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna move into reasons to be cheerful. Shall I go first?
0: I think you should. I went first last week, didn't I? You
1: you you did you you nailed know. it. It was so good. Um, I didn't even do mine. Uh, my reason to be cheerful is today's is December first. we are we have yes. entered the final month of this foul year, twenty twenty. Um. I don't think. Look, I think it's foul for many reasons, but I also think you know it's been great because you know, if it, it caused us to get off our asses and 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 uh, mm. and and start recording this podcast and 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 lots of other things. But um, I'm actually really excited about Christmas this year, like the kids and family, and it's just it's getting it's warming up here. We're getting really excited about it. But more than that, I feel like um, I need a break. I need to end the year I need a rest and mm. I'm looking forward to it so there's sort of a level of excitement that I've got um, so December 1st is my reason to be cheerful
0: shit title <laughs> I thought you know you could have you could have turned 1st of December into something
1: I can't you know it's sometimes the simplicity is all you need and speaking yeah. of simp- and, and, speaking and, of simple and, things over to you Josh
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, and by the way this is episode 20 of the podcast Ooh, that we started look this year that Number 20 in 2020. Look at that. I've, I've got two. All right. I've got two. Uh, I'm going to give you the first one. Uh, Oxford one, Swindon two. When you support a club like Swindon, right? we, we won the championship last season, but, but it was by default. Yeah. You got, we got given the points and I think we were second when, when the season finished, but we won the league. So it doesn't really, didn't really feel like a win. Um, you don't get to celebrate much as a Swindon fan, do you know what I mean? You're not there's no big accolades, you don't have big European nights or anything like that. So to beat Oxford and come back from one nil down and win in the last minute, there were fans at the ground Fair, and that and Fairy tale, Fairy tale. It was. It was so good it was I mean, it's massive for me. Massive. Uh so that's my first one. And actually seeing the fans outside the ground, like a handful of them shouting and cheering, it just like it gave me a bit of hope as well. It's like, you know...
1: socially distanced. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. They were all yeah. wearing masks yeah. and uh, uh, adhering yeah. to the rules. Um, actually, it's lockdown, so they shouldn't have been there at all. Um, and then, so here's the other one. Is hasn't got a title, but it, at two o'clock this morning, my brother and sister-in-law oh, had a baby. Congratulations. Baby Leo, yeah. Um, but uh, I can feel myself getting a little bit emotional about it. About two years ago, so me and my wife had... Two children, and then that's it. And then it's Leah's sister and her husband. They wanted two children, and then they were going to call it a day. And they had their first one. Um, and then they, she, Laura was pregnant a couple of years ago. And then the baby was born like three months early and died after a month. Just a real rare, genetic, not genetic, just a real rare thing that just could, one in a million chance, and it happened to them. And it was a such a you know difficult time. And then she's been pregnant throughout COVID this whole time. Of course, it's just been so worrying, so like uh, panicked. And then, yeah, so we, in the night, Jack, which is uh, Laura's other son, was here last night because she went into hospital. And at two o'clock, the baby was born and everything was fine. So it was like, there was such a massive sigh of relief from our family because it's just been like, get that baby out and make sure it's okay. And it was. So, uh so yeah, that's my reason to be cheerful. It's my daughter's birthday this weekend, her third birthday. We don't celebrate Christmas until after that because we don't want her, yeah. to, it, her birthday yeah. to get lost. So after this weekend, we'll be fully on the Christmas hike now as well. Brilliant. So And the whole family can look forward to it without the the worry hanging yeah. over our yeah. heads.
1: Wow, congratulations, man. Congratulations to the family and uh, what, a, what a wonderful mm. way to uh, to kind of end the year with a celebration like that right exactly exactly happy days cool well look man we covered some serious ground as always um i think like really important conversations and uh we established that we are jedi knights (laughs) in the holding (laughs) space uh so uh we can we can we can float about all day knowing that but uh great chat man and next and then next time we come together will probably be the last one of the year
0: the last one of the year yeah it'll yeah probably be because that's going to be somewhere around like the 14th yep. I think and then that'll be it until 2021 when we'll be back in early January with more topical debate oh, nice. alright
1: we'll see you next time
0: right. take care right. thanks again for listening to 115 miles with Josh Connolly Hassan Khan.